Hello, your MVPs are tonight are Jaden Anderson, Natalie Richard, Alfredo Barrera, and Jasmine Nason. And we're going to be talking about King Lear, my bae. Acts 1 and 2. Yay, so excited. Um, how does Ken's reaction to Lee's banishment of Cordelia introduce the theme of insight and insight and insight? Sorry about that. Kent understands that Cordelia was being loyal to Lear. He also mentions that Cordelia was more honest than the, her other two sisters. Ken sees that Lear doesn't see the true honesty, loyalty, love from Cordelia compared to the, her other two scheming sisters, and that Kent was just trying to denounce Lear's super. Purse. I do not know how to pronounce this. I'm so sorry. Superficiality. Thank you, Jasmine. Um, uh, Ken's reaction to Lear's ba- banishment of Cordelia um, pretty much was Kent was the only one who tried to tell Lear that he was in the wrong for um, banishing his daughter because Kent um, believes that Cordelia was actually the only one being loyal to her father and that the other two sisters were just trying to flatter him rather than actually convince him that they love him. When Cordelia was saying that uh, she loves him as much as any other daughter should love a father. And um, Kent was just trying to make sure that Lear understands that Cordelia was just being honest. And um, he thinks that Lear is just blind blinded to uh the true character of cordelia oh okay <laughs> so as kent kind of shows in um line like 130ish he's like good my liege he kind of tries to um almost stop the king from making this decision cuz he knows like what's wrong and what's right but uh he can't really do anything because he doesn't hold enough power against king lear okay do you guys want to move on to the next question yes okay um question four in this first scene of the play how does shakespeare establish the parallels between the stories of lear and his daughter's on the one hand, and the story of Gloucester and his sons on the other hand. They start saying he doesn't have a daughter? Well, Gloucester, doesn't he say that his son is like a bastard child? but he loves him. But he loves him still. Still. Even though he's a bastard. One of them is his actual son. Edgar is his real son. Edmund is like, I don't know, he... His half, most sort of like his stepson, but um, yeah. Um, the the parallel between. Okay. (laughs) Um. Well, Glosher kind of is like, oh yes, my son's like, I know that like he's a bastard and he probably like with that implies that he doesn't love me but i still love him and i'll still care for him while king lear is kind of like if my daughters don't love me i should just banish them and they're no good or like use to me at all and so it's kind of just like love and like not yeah that's what i thought because honestly i really extremely dislike king lear because it's kind of obvious that like 
when Cordelia, I thought what Cordelia, Cordelia did was, like, really, really brave and, like, very, very, like, a, like the right thing to do because not a good daughter doesn't be like, oh, I love my daddy, my superhero. No. Um, um, it's just, I just thought it was, I just thought he's very, very, like, materialistic and that he really, really did, he, yes, he, yes, he, I think he loves his daughters, but no one really really truly loves their family if they could just give them up or just own them in a second yeah he's acting more of like a political king to his own family than to like a king is usually like very political and also like makes room for his family sometimes but he's just acting very political to his family and being like my daughters are a way of investment basically um, the parallel between Lear and his daughters and Gloucester, I think, and his sons is that uh, both Lear and Gloucester um, misinterpret their children and they don't like recognize the true characters of them. And, um, <laughs> uh, Lear believes that uh, his two daughters, Goneril and Regan, are. They actually love him, and he thinks that his other daughter, Cordelia, doesn't deserve anything. And then the same with Gloucester. He believes that Edgar deserves everything because he's, he's his real son, while Edmund doesn't really, like, deserve anything because he's not his real son. Stop it. Um, no, I one more thing. Uh, it sounds cliche, but it's, like, both Lear and Gloucester are kind of, like, judging a book by its cover in a way because they just focus on their behavior rather than like seeing them for them true se- their true selves yeah okay um we do not have that much time left because we spent like five minutes on the analysis of that one question so let's just go to question five Al- alfredo do you want to go into that one uh okay so question five is explain the ambiguous nature of Cord- cordelia's farewell to her sisters, the jewels of our father with washed eyes. Cordelia leaves you particularly as she reveals the theme of sight and insight. Well, if we look at just the quote, it says, like, with washed eyes. And so it kind of, like, shows you, like, kind of the sight that they think their father has. Because, like, uh, the jewels kind of maybe a stretch but the jewels are like very rich and like portraying to like being very wealthy and washed eyes is like the very sight of just one specific topic and all that wow like cordelia cordelia leaves you is like kind of like broadening the sight of like being like this can happen and all that that may not be right what do you guys think um I saw the washed eyes as like when she, when Cordelia was saying farewell to her sisters, uh, I saw the washed eyes as like, uh, maybe she had like teary eyes or something, or um, in a deeper side of things, I saw it as like her ability to be able to like see through her sisters, if that makes sense, and like see that Cordelia was the only one being honest and sincere towards her father and she gains uh insight 
like the theme of insight and that she now sees clearly and realizes that her sisters were weren't being truthful okay um I think we should go to, to the next question. Which is... Question three for scene two. Yep. So, <clears throat> so what information is contained in the letter Amen presents? Three. Oh, three. My bad. What What do Glue Glue Chester's and Amun's comments about the constellations of the stars reveal about their individual beliefs in the power of the stars or fate? Glue Chester believes that the stars are responsible for everything bad that happens in the world. Um, Amun believes that the stars do not influence humans and that they shouldn't look to the stars for everything. What do you guys think about that? Well, between the two, like, they are related, right? Wait, is Edmund the, like, half-son? Edmund's the half-son. So they're slightly related, in a sense. They they have shared blood, that's for sure. Yeah. So, but it just goes to show, like, the different views they can have also. Because they're kind of contrasting each other. Because, like, uh, Gloochester thinks that the stars are responsible for everything that bad happens. And then Edmund believes that they, like, shouldn't look to the stars for, like, all their, like, life advice and everything. Mm -hmm. And so it's kind of showing Edmund's more, like broad perspective while it shows glucose is very like separate and one thing perspective that makes sense i think that was perfect yeah uh glucose just trying to find something to blame for something for the everything that's everything bad that's happening like natalie said but uh Edmund's trying to convince him, or no, Edmund, right, is trying, no, edgar is trying, edmund is trying to convince him that like many people including his father should not blame things on the stars and just take responsibility for everything. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. I think that was a pretty sh- good answer. So, next question. Acts is- for Act 1, Scene 3, and that is question 2. And then... Wait, I pulled Yeah, sorry, my bad. Do you want to read it? Question 2. Yep. Te- technical difficulties. Whom does General decide to contact by letter at the end of the scene, and why? So, um, I do not know. Goneril? Goneril, yeah. Decides to contact, um, her sister to make sure that they're on the same page with how they treat Lear and make sure that Regan doesn't want their father to keep any authority because they want to kind of, like, capture all the authority and then... And then also to conspire against Lear. And then also, what I thought about is that um, I think when if the sisters get all the power, I think one of them is going to, like, murder the other for all the authority. Because, like, if they go against their own father for all this authority, I wonder what it would be like for the two sisters to have half and half, like, 50-50 the authority. And just, like, see. I just want to see how that plans out i'm just curious about that yeah it's just like really showing kind of their true nature and i feel like act one and act two um of the book kind of like show characterization of like everyone just trying to get into like how they act and everything and it kind of just shows how the sisters are willing to do anything for power and all that okay so um because we have 10 yeah. more questions left. Yeah. Okay. That's what I'm trying to okay. hurry up. 
So the next question is um, for scene four. And then we're doing questions one, three, nine, so we have to make this one fast. So, okay. Jasmine, do you want to read this one? Sure. Okay. Number one. Yes. How does Kent's disguise support the theme of sight and insight? And um, Kent knows that Lear doesn't want to see um, Kent himself again, but he still wants to. But Kent still wants to help him and wants to prove his loyalty to Lear. Um, Kent. Uh, demonstrates that Lear needs to not focus on the appearance of things, but he should um, recognize the loyalty that Kent is providing for him. Um, and in the end, or not in the end, but like eventually Lear accepts the disguised Kent because of his loyalty and good character. Yeah, it just goes to show kind of King Lear's, like, ability to trust people so easily and, like, kind of trust what they say and not, like, with their actions but with their words more, like he did previously with, like, his daughters um, and giving all the land to the two of them other than, like, Cordelia, who really loves him and all that. And the meaning values praise more of he, he's shown it with the, him in the disguise. He just gets praised and he trusts him. He does it with his daughters. And the two daughters appraise him. He gives him land. Well, the one that doesn't kind of just gets pushed aside. Yeah, I see that. That's actually very good. I did not think of that. Okay. okay so I don't think there's anything else to add. So, number three. Number three what wisdom does the fool express about possessions on the one hand and about nothing on the other hand? Um. So what I think that it indicates that Lear was wrong to give up control over his kingdom and that um, and that's left is nothing and then falsely led on the goodwill on his daughters because they didn't allow him to retain power slash authority. So honestly, I really agree with the fool or like the jester or whatever that um, Lear's um, decision was kind of not the smartest or not the wisest because he kind of made his decision based on um, based on false love from his daughters mm -hmm. and that um, a real good king would kind of not even care about if his daughters love him or not, that they should care about um, the kingdom and not about him. Yeah, it's just like the fool is kind of representing like king lear's mistakes and kind of on like one hand and then on the other hand like why kind of king lear does these things and like mm -hmm. acts on the way he acts it's also saying like it's <laughs> you either have something or you don't so he has he either has the authority or he has nothing there's no in between yeah i see that okay Question nine, I believe. Yeah. Nine. Okay. So, um, what does Goneril? I'm so sorry for pronouncing that wrong. What does Goneril command Oswald to do at close to the scene, and why? And then Alfredo, do you want to answer this one? Uh, I'll pass. Goneril? No. Okay. Um. Hey. Guess he's passing. So, um. What does he commands Oswald um, to do 
to carry a letter to Regan to explain everything that has happened once to pressure Regan to deny their father the same privilege she denied him. And then Goneril fears that she will be the evil daughter and assures that Regan is still on the same page when it comes to the treatment of Lear, which also goes back to, I forgot which question, I'm sorry, but goes back to the question of like um, Lear having no, of the two sisters, two scheming sisters not wanting King Lear to have any authority or power within the kingdom. Yeah, and it's kind of like, um, as Jaden was saying before also, um, when Gonriel fears that she will be the evil daughter, it's kind of like showing that she like doesn't want this, but like she knows that her path is kind of going that way. But it never said uh, the other sister, like, fears that she's going to be, like, the evil sister. So if one does kind of go against each other and kills one of them, it probably will be not gonna real. Yeah, because um, adding on to what Natalie said, you, yes, the gone real, she's, she's kind of going against her father, but she sort of has, like, an empathetic... Like mm-hmm. empathy towards him while her other sister Regan's like um haha power's all mine so yeah. like so like obviously you see like um like a difference between the two sisters but the two sisters kind of have the same underlying goal with to have all the power and authority for themselves yeah just a different mindset that they come with and then um and then last but not least for act one question two no. Question two for act for act for act one and then scene five. Um what does the fool or what does the fool criticize in a statement to to Lear? Thou should should shouldest? Shouldn't should 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 not shouldst not. Thou shouldst not have been old till thou hast been wise. I think isn't that after he banishes his daughter? As he tries to defend his daughter, and then he also curses the, one of the gods. I don't remember which one. Yeah, so do you want to answer it? It was... Yeah, he criticizes him on, like, his brash, and, like... Yeah, the way he reacted, he criticizes it exactly on that. On how he got so angry, and how he kept trying to make his daughter praise him for the land and for the authority. It was just kind of like what Alfredo was saying before, that King Lear wants more praise than actual like love or affection he wants to be praised more than anything um, the fool was also like criticizing lear for um giving up his kingdom and his power like too early and uh he like says that it was basically wrong for doing it yeah basically so now we're done with act one and now we're gonna go into act two so now we're gonna go into Act One, Scene One, Act Question Two, Act two. Scene One. Jesus Christ! I'm so sorry. Sorry. Act Two, Scene One, Question Five. Okay. How does glucose is expression? My old heart is cracked. Is cracked. Illustrate the parallel between glucose and Lear when it comes to old age and their relationships with their children. Um. It kind of shows how they both feel abused and taken advantage of. Um, Like, with the daughters taking advantage of, like, Lear. And then, um, that's 
and then they also feel that they deserve more love and respect from their children and the children kind of disappointed their expectations of them through like their actions because they started to realize that the praise is not really like real in a sense and then we don't really have that much time left so we're not going to get into the most deep into um the questions but next we're going to go into act two scene two question five and it is how does glue glue coaster plot to parallel the main plot what does shakespeare achieve by keeping the two plots so carefully parallel um also, I'm noticing like a lot of parallel questions. I don't know if you guys noticed that, but I just think that's really interesting. So to remind the audience that the, that the issues are all family relationships between siblings and parents and children. Yes, that's what I noticed. But also, um, the only person in this whole entire play that is not part of, um, part of like a family is probably the jester or the fool. And he's the only one giving an outside yes he's in the kingdom and yes he's yes he's not close but he's he sort of works with the kingdom or like the people in charge or like he entertains them so i'm just saying i'm i just thought it was really interesting how the fool is the only one who's basically like an out who gives us an outside perspective on the rest of the kingdom um, the next question is in Act 2, Scene 3, Number 2. How does Edgar's statement, Edgar, I nothing am, demonstrate the connection between the re recurring nothing motif and the natural order of family relations? Um, Edgar believes, in, like, in this situation, that his life is meaningless and is nothing because Edmund, both his father and Edmund, are trying to go against him. And this, like, brings out the natural order because uh, it, like, brings out the fact that humans should consider like seeing the true character in people in relationships yeah the next question is question four of act two scene five four. or four why does why does lear believe that reagan will treat him with more respect than gonorrheal and what idea does lear cling to i think the i think it's because just more praise i think he's still just sticking to the idea of stick of praise equals respect and that's all you need to be a decent person and be trusted in or how would you guys see it um i don't think we have enough time to get into that but well i mean regan kind of clings to right regan it's yeah lear. Lear wait why does lear uh, i honestly don't know so i think I think what you the said reason... is pretty good, so I think we should just go to the next one because I'm confused about that. Okay, um, for scene two, act four, uh, question seven: What revenge does Lear swear on both of his daughters? Um, so I let me see in the book. Well, it what says, I think is that there are going to be terrible things. I think that's the exact quote that yeah, yeah. He, says, he says that he's going to do terrible things, Thanks but so he doesn't enough. like mention specific things. He can't really think of anything to do besides terrible things. Because he really, back to an act when he's kind of lost basically all of the kingdom's kind of respect. Because, like the jest, like I said about the jester, he's giving an outside perspective on the rest of the kingdom. Because no, no one else in this whole entire story is 
is like a peasant or in the lower status. So, so I was just saying that. And then I think the gesture is kind of representing the kingdom as a whole, like the outside perspective. And then going on to question eight, um, same scene, same act. What makes the sisters' action at the end of the act scene par- particularly cool? And I said they locked their they locked their father out. Seems and then it seems cruel because they show no emotion at the thought of their father spending the night in the storm. And then going back to what I said about um Regan, I mean not Regan, I forgot it was gone just, real. Yeah, gone real. Um, yes, she went to she had some empathetic like thoughts towards her father but at the end of the day she was sort of she is her sister she has the same goal for her sister that she wants to kind of ruin her father's life and take all the authority for her and her selfish sister yes i agree so that is it for act two so now we're gonna talk about um two sonnets so me and jasmine are gonna talk about sonnet 43 written by elizabeth barrett browning how do i love thee and then the main theme in this in this poem is basically um um elizabeth is showing explaining all the ways how and how much she loves her beloved and that um and that basically her love for her honestly she really doesn't give the sex or gender of um her like significant other but i'm just saying um, that her significant other is kind of like she she really like clings to her significant other and that she really is gonna love her like I don't know if she if they're married at all but if they're if they are that they're gonna be in love for a really really long time and even after death what is shown on the last with it what is shown in the last line of the sonnet saying I shall love but the better after death showing even even after being deceased, their love is still going to live on. Uh, and also, um, she writes a poem in which she um, reveals her passion for her beloved. And she explains like an immense love that she has for them. And she says, I love thee to the depth and breadth and height my soul can reach. And which is pretty much saying, like, I love you like so much, like deeper than the ocean or like higher than the sky like that's just like and a lot deep. yeah Bruh. and then i think that's it for sonnet 40 okay we're gonna do me and alfredo are gonna do how i discovered poetry and so i kind of think that um she kind of tells the power of poetry that was like had on her to convey how like, the passion of the same thing can be, like, passed on, like, through many people. Um, it kind of shows that through Miss Purity and, like, her connection to the teacher and how it's, like, she uses, like, oh, she gave it to me or, like, she was smiling at me only and it's kind of showing, like, the focus on one person. Um... Do you have anything to add, Alfredo? Well, there was continuing to focus on one person when she's when it said she read the poem, uh, she read the poem to everyone but him, and then gave him the or is it is it him? Oh, her. It's her. It's the author. She read the poem to everybody but her, and then gave her the poem to read. I think it was trying to make instead of making it seem like 
to show focus on her it was trying to make it so if she made her read it it would make it more intimate between them it would make it more closer yeah what do you guys think the theme of the poem is I kind of said it before, I said that the passion of like something can be passed on through like many people. So like the passion of poetry from her teacher is kind of then passed on to her with like the close connection they have and kind of like all the other students don't get it when it said like the other kids zoned out and like she must have seen the darkest eyes and it kind of shows that they're the only ones that kind of understand. Um, like about the poem and about the deeper meaning and like what it really means and how it can like kind of help everyone. Um, I saw that uh, Miss Purdy, is that her name? Yeah. She uh, empowered her student, yeah. Nelson, right? To um, uh, talk about a piece of poetry that was hard to talk about which uh, reveals the power of words. Okay, sounds good. And now signing off are Jane Anderson, Natalie Richard, Alfredo Barrera, and Jasmine Ace. Thank you so much. Go Nuts.